0: Thank you for downloading this podcast from Pardes, North America. This episode of Pardes from Jerusalem features a conversation between Rabbi Leon Morris and Yiska Smith on Pahashat Naso and Chag Shavuot. For the latest episode of Pardes from Jerusalem, please visit elma.pardes.org. And now, here is Rabbi Leon Morris and Yiska Smith. It's just before Shavuot, and I have the pleasure of sitting here and having a Chavruta
1: with you, Yiska Smith. Well, Leon, thank you. I have the pleasure too. This is such a uh, kavot, it's such an honor to be sitting with you in Chavruta as we explore some of the teachings that will help us and everyone that's listening to prepare for Shavuot.
0: Wonderful. Yeah.
1: I'm interested
0: in talking a little bit about what exactly was given on Sinai. And I'm really interested in the question of what's the relationship between the Aseret Hadibroth, the Ten Commandments, and the 613 mitzvot of the Torah. Um, How do they relate to each other? Are, Are there 10 or are there 613? So the Mishnah tells us in Masechet Tamid that originally the Ten Commandments were recited as part of the temple service. And the Gemara notes that these were originally also read outside of the temple. This was part of uh, the liturgy before the recitation of the Shema. But then, the Gemara tells us, heretics came and said the Ten Commandments is all there was. There aren't 613 commandments, there's just 10. So then the Anshe Knesset HaGadolah, the members of the great assembly who assembled the Siddur for us or the outlines of the Siddur took that out, took out the Ten Commandments. It was now too subversive uh, or could be misconstrued. And so this question of what exactly was given at Sinai and how do the 613 relate to the Ten is an old question. Uh, There are Midrashim, that count the letters of the Aseret HaDiBrot, the Ten Commandments, and they note that there are 620 letters. 620 is 613 plus seven. So it's the number of mitzvot represented by each letter plus the seven days of creation. The Midrash is suggesting that the world exists only for the sake of Torah and the 613 mitzvot. Many of the medieval commentators uh, take up this question of how we reconcile the 613 with the ten. Uh, Barbanel, 15th century, suggests that all 613 mitzvot could be placed as details or subcategories of the ten. And that the 10 are singled out because this is what the whole nation of Israel heard from God at Sinai. But Moses on Mount Sinai, Moshe Rabbeinu, got all the details. So, in other words, for a Barbanel, the 10 commandments are like the headlines or the large category names. Uh, there, of course, is the classic distinction that's made when we represent the Aseret Hadibroth, the 10 commandments, uh, pictorially that the right side are mitzvot bena damla makom, and the left side are mitzvot bena dabla chaveh Uh The right side, commandments between a person and God, and the left side between a person and their, their neighbor. And that, of course, is also part of this discussion, because part of what's being suggested there is that the right side of the tablets represent all of the mitzvot that are all of the mitzvot about a person and God, and that the left side represent all of the mitzvot that relate to a person and their fellow. Ramban, Nachmanides, saw each of the Ten Commandments as a pointing away to the 613 in a much more specific way. For instance, the fourth commandment to, to keep Shabbat sees as including the laws of Shemitah, the sabbatical year, and the Yovel, the Jubilee, and all the hagim, all of the holidays, etc. Rabbeinu Bachya ben Asher, 14th century, notes that of the Ten Commandments, three of them are stated positively, numbers 1, 4, and 5, and the other seven are stated in the negative. And so he sees this as a Representation of the uh, the three positive commandments represent the two hundred and forty-eight positive mitzvot, and the lotaase the negative commandments uh, represent the seven represent the three hundred and sixty-five lotaase, the three hundred and sixty-five thou shalt nots. And um, lastly, I just want to bring in. Uh, another example of how this happens, which is a beautiful agadah from the Talmud, Masechet Makot uh, 23b and 24a, in which, uh, first of all, it's the source by Rabbi Simlai that there are 613 mitzvot in the Torah. Uh, this is the first that we learn about this. The Torah itself doesn't say there's 613. And, of course, the medieval uh, exegetes are left to kind of make their list and count them up and see Frey HaMitzvot. But then something very interesting happens. As soon as he says there's 613 mitzvot, the rabbis come in and suggest that other important prophets and religious figures had their own summary of the mitzvot in the Torah. In other words, it's kind of building on the notion that ten is really more than ten. So uh, the Agadah says King David came and established the, that uh, you could sum up all the mitzvot in the Torah by eleven commandments, and it very creatively uh, cites uh, Psalms chapter fifteen, uh, "Who may dwell in God's house?" and says uh, takes each of those statements. Me yishkon b'har holech uh, tamim, the one who uh, walks wholeheartedly, ufoel sedek and works righteousness, the Dover emet and speaks the truth, and it goes through this psalm and lists eleven mitzvot uh, and say that sums up the whole Torah. And then the agadah continues and says, well, Micah, the prophet Micah, sums it up in in three. Uh, Ahigiblacha damato Hashem doresh uh, mimcha ki im asot mishpat do justly, the Ahavat and love mercy, the Lechet im Hashem Lokefa, and walk humbly with your God. And the Agadah continues, and Isaiah can do it in two, and Amos and Habakkuk can do it in one. I want to cite Amos's that the all of the mitzvot could just be reduced to one mitzvah. Ko amar Hashem levayt Yisrael, dirshuni v'chiyu. Seek me and live. And I love this. And I think all of this is, uh, what it has in common, is a kind of anticipation of the rabbinic project of oral Torah, even within the written Torah itself. That by saying the 10 is actually much more than 10. The 10 is 613 is a rabbinic move toward expansiveness and interpretation and don't think that this is all that's there this is just a this is just a summary of something much greater and that's what uh, this is again pointing within the torah but that's what the rabbis do with every text there's more
1: written there than what's written there much more and it well thank you for sharing All that Torah, those sources, which all point to, were not really clear what we heard. That same part in Makot, the Chazal teach on Da of Bet, or Aleph 24a, that the gematria of Torah is 611. Mm -hmm. So Moshe taught us 611. What we did here, according to this piece in Makot, we heard the first two. However, one wants to understand that, the first is the first representing all positive to do's, the second represents all the prohibitive. That being said, Ooh. we're not really clear. However, the PSS Nerebi, when he taught this incredibly deep, wonderful teaching in the Warsaw Ghetto, Shavuot 1940, he believes, based on the bracha that we say every day, we thank God, we, we acknowledge Barucha Ta. God, you're blessed. You're the Lord. Torah Amo Yisrael. Well, when did this teaching, we're acknowledging that God teaches his nation, Israel, Torah. Well, when did this start? According to the PSS, he believes it started at Har Sinai. Hmm. I mean, we have a beautiful Beit Midrash here at Pardes. But this is not the first Beit Midrash. The first was at Har Sinai. And he brings down a Midrash from Tehillim, from Midrash Tehillim, where when Hashem said, do, we said yes. And when Hashem said, don't, we said, no, we won't. So there was this engagement. It wasn't just a download of information. There was a give and take. That being said, and this is where I want to pick up with the teaching more focused, in what the pssna believes really happened was a teaching from the maharala of prague he's 16th century in prague and he believes that we don't really know what we heard but everyone agrees we heard at least the kol shofar we heard one sound hmm. one sound so notwithstanding that the pssna also believes that we may have heard the first two commandments and it became a Beit midrash not only a giving, not only a saying, but it was a really mood. He, he teaches from the Baal Shem Tov, that the Baal Shem Tov, based on this beautiful Pasuk in, in, in Shi HaShirim, Nafshi Yatza My soul went out in the word. So, what was it that we heard? What was it that, what's the one sound? What was the call shofar? To the point where when we hear the shofar today on Rosh Hashanah, there's something very primal about it. Mm-hmm. Very primal. He believes, the P.S. believes, what we really heard was anokhi, anokhi. What is anokhi? He believes that the word anochi, and this is the greatness, he says, Ooh. This is the greatness of the connection. He makes that switch. This is the greatness between the Holy One, the teacher of teachers, our very first Rebbe, and Yisrael in receiving the Torah. We say in our Tefillah, Zman Matan Tainu. However, a giver has to have a receiver, so he sees the spiritual practice is Kabbalat Torah, and what are we receiving when we receive Torah? He says the kashrut, the connection is a soul to soul connection, is an essence to essence connection, is a being to being connection, because he quotes from Masechet Shabbat, Daf Kuf Hey. 105, side A, the first side, that anochi, it doesn't say ani. In the, the very first of the Ten Commandments is the word anochi. Why isn't it ani? Anochi is also an acronym, it's a reshe tevot. And it stands for ana, in Aramaic, I, nafshe'i, my soul, katavit, I have written, yahavit, and have given it to you. So what are we receiving, Kavi What are we receiving? We are receiving this Gilui, this revelation, this manifestation of God's essence. When we talk about the Tamsit, the essence of something, everything else just adds to what's already there. All we had to hear was Anochi. And in my guiding meditations around Shavuot, I'd like to suggest to all the listeners <clears throat> that when we think about Shavuot, why is it Matan Torah Tenu? It's not Kabbalat Torah Tenu in our prayer. Because the one God gave his one Torah on one day, in one moment, to one nation with one word. However, each person can choose for the rest of the year how to receive it. It's life. It just goes on. It's infinite Mm. all the time, according to one's capacity to understand, to feel, to be creative, to be open hearted. So perhaps this is the defining moment of all of Talmud Torah. As a spiritual practice, Talmud Torah far exceeds just acquiring information. It includes that, of course, but like Heschel says, it's much more than acquiring information. It's being able to face a sacred moment. And the PSSN sees this sacred moment in what I would call spiritual intimacy. And that's infinite. That's infinite. So yes, this is the, uh, this is the delight. This is the nachat. This is the, when we learn in Tehillim, ki Torah like your Torah is my tie, is my pleasure. It's, I feel so close to the giver of the Torah because it's in me, I receive in my soul a piece of the giver's soul. Like when we give each other a gift, hmm. we're giving not only a physical object, so like the P.S.S. said, it's not just the word from the Baal Shem Tov, it's the soul, the soul that goes into that word. When I give someone in my family a very close friend, let's say a birthday gift or a wedding gift, a bar bat mitzvah gift, I'm putting also my soul into the giving. Mm. So when that person receives whatever the gift may be, they're receiving a part of my soul.
0: Mm. I love that. I yeah. love that. I, I'm thinking of you know, the classic work on the theory of gift giving by Marcel Mauss. Um, I learned this from, uh, I was introduced to this by Moshe Halbertal. And part of what makes gift giving with God so complicated is because God isn't your friend or your spouse. And there's such an enormous gap between us and God. And I'm thinking about that in light of the beautiful Torah that you just shared and what it means that there is this immediate transition from giving to receiving.
1: Um, yeah, it, it, uh, this is the divine paradox. This is the. It says in the Zohar, Ain There was no grasping this at all. The, the mm. faster we try to catch up to it, the faster it moves away. Mm. That's it's the elusive. yeah. That's the infinite, the Yudke Vavke uh, manifestation of the omnipotent creator of everything. However, we also say shema yisrael Hashem Elokeinu. Our God. It's very bi. My God, the soul that you have put into me, that's more of an imminent. That's what we call the Shekhinah. That's the soul. A lot of the Hasidu teachings, starting from the Bal Shem Tov, gently move us away from trying to catch up with something we can't to experiencing something within that we can. Hmm. And hmm. that's the receiving. And I'd just like to, if I could, uh, just conclude on this note That really, what may be going on on this Chag, what it teaches us, not only is that there's a giver and a receiver, and the giver is giving soul, and the receiver is receiving soul, but because of that, I then, you then, Leon, can give back to the world your Torah. Hmm. There's a Hmm. giver, there's a receiver, and the receiver becomes the giver. Hmm. The light from the sun, shining out, lighting up the moon, and the moon, Reflecting back into the world light from within the moon that came from the sun. Mm. So, the Torah, or as we say apart this, find yourself in the text. Mm. I like to add, find the text within you. Mm. We mm. are receiving, holding, contemplating on that, experiencing this spiritual, intimate moment, and then we put back into the world my Torah, your Torah, mm. his, her, their Torah. Mm. And that's Shabuot. Yuska, I love this. Um, I want to
0: ask you, by way of our conclusion, to to help me sort of um, make the parallel between what each of us uh, has taught. Um, In a kind of uh, very concrete way, I was sharing the way in which 10 becomes 613. And we also saw that six becomes 613 and one becomes 613. But with regard to the Ten Commandments, ten holds all of the mitzvot. And you're doing a similar move uh, on a spiritual plane that just God's presence, just the Anochi, just the first word becomes
1: all of Torah. Yes. because hashem ainod milvado there's nothing but hashem and i usually don't speak you know the older one gets we speak in usually less and less absolutes Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's like it's a great the gray area is so Mm -hmm. much like that's where there's real give and take and real living however the pasuk says ainod milvado that's quite an absolute statement right there is nothing except god right so anochi is everything Mm. is everything Mm. may i share uh, a what could be a suggested meditation. Please, right. please. So this is based in Shemot Rabbah. During Matantara, not a bird chirped, not a fowl flew, not an ox moved, not an angel ascended, not a seraph pronounced kadosh, not a wave of the sea rolled, not a creature made a sound. All the universe was silent. Then the coal went forth. Imagine the Shivuot, dedicate a few moments to experiencing this. Imagine you are there at Har Sinai. Close your eyes, immerse yourself in receiving breath, holding the breath and returning the breath. Visualize your moment of hearing Anochi. What would that be like to receive it?
0: Yizka, thank you so much. Oh,
1: thank you. Thank you for inviting me to to learn with you. And Chag Shavuot to all yes, of our, all of our Chag friends, Chag.
0: all of our listeners. And, and a very me.
1: happy Zman Matan Torah Tenu and Zman Kabbalat Torah Tenu, mm, mm. the receiving of our Torah. Amen, amen. Thank you.
0: Thank you again for downloading this podcast, a production of Pardes North America. If you liked what you just heard, please give us a five-star review wherever you download your podcasts. Follow us on Spotify for the latest episode of Pardes from Jerusalem. Be sure to tune in next week as Rabbi Dr. Mish Hamra Kasoy and Rabbi Dr. Daniel Reifman discuss together Parashat Baha Al-Takha. Thanks for listening!